Good morning, Park Church, and welcome to our Park at Home video worship experience. Wherever you're watching, however you're watching us this morning, we are glad that you have found your way here. Welcome. In some very real way, even though we're apart, we're together because we're listening to God's word together, we're worshiping together, we're praying together. So wherever you are, whoever you are, welcome. We are glad that you have found your way here. Because we do miss seeing you so much, um, if you're watching live right now on Facebook or on YouTube, we would love for you to comment. Just give us a thumbs up, give us a high five, give us a heart, whatever it is, just so that we know that you're watching. We'd love to be able to connect with you like that. We also thought it would be fun if at some point this morning while you're watching, take a photo of you or your family on the couch, at the kitchen table, wherever you are, and post it to one of our social media accounts, to Facebook or Instagram, hashtag ParkChurchNJ, or just mention us and we'll put you up into the story. We thought it would be fun just to see people kind of face-to-face again. And speaking of staying connected, we want you to really be able to be staying informed. We're doing a lot more with social media, a lot more emails, a lot more communication to try to stay closer together. And we want you to be connected to all of those. So there's a few things that you can do. The first thing is be part of our social media. Connect with that. It's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, slash ParkChurchNJ. We post a bunch of things really pretty much every day. We've also been sending a lot more park-wide emails out. And if you haven't gotten one, you should have gotten one at about 8.45 this morning. If you haven't gotten one, the first thing to do is check your junk mail, your spam folder, or your promotions tab in Gmail. That might be where the emails are going. But if you're still not getting them, you could subscribe uh, at the link in the description below. And then the third way to stay connected right now is to go to a brand new part of our website. It's just parkchurchnj.com coronavirus. And this is kind of a one-stop shop for all the videos, the blogs we're posting, all the resources. If you need help, if you want to help others. Um, It's kind of a one-stop shop for that. So we encourage you to go there to stay connected uh, throughout this time. Because we're doing a lot of things, a lot of new things that we're excited about and we want you to know about. Like for instance, our community groups have been meeting uh, through virtual meetings. And I got to be honest, they've been going really, really well. We've been doing more to serve and to volunteer in our community and to reach out to our neighbors. We want you to be a part of that. We've been doing daily uh, Bible reflection videos, and we're going to continue to do those through the letter of 1 Corinthians, at least. Those are up on our Facebook and on our YouTube channel. We'd love for you to see those. And the other thing that we're really excited to launch this week is we're going to have virtual prayer meetings. Throughout the week, there'll be a few times um, that you can go to a link and you can pray with people. And the very first one is happening at 10 o'clock today, right after this service. You can click on the link in the description below. So if you, if you need prayer, go to that. Um, if you just want to pray with people for our world, for our leaders, for the teachers and kids, right? Um, for our medical care professionals, for the people who are working in grocery stores or in factories that we need to make this thing work. Go to that and pray for them. Um, Pray for the sick. You can go to that room 10 o'clock right after this and pray for those people with some of the leaders here at Park Church. I want to reiterate something that I said last week. Please don't go through this alone. 
If you need help, please reach out to us. We've made it even easier to do. Just email help at parkchurchnj.com and someone from Park will confidentially get back to you and reach out to you because we don't want you to go through this alone. If you have um, emotional support that you need, if you need uh, spiritual support, even if you just need someone to go to the grocery store for you because you're vulnerable or someone you live with is vulnerable, even if you just need someone to talk to on the phone, email help at parkchurchnj.com and we will reach out to you and connect with you. We do not want you to have to go through this alone. Deal? Deal. Now, in Peter's first letter, chapter 2 actually, verse 9, Do you know what he says about us, about the church? He says that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He says we're God's own people in order that we might proclaim the mighty acts, the mighty work of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Isn't that awesome? That's what we're for, to proclaim, to celebrate the mighty acts of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. In this time where we're uh, disconnected, where we're socially distant, we thought nothing would be cooler than to hear someone's story from Park Church of how they were called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And we could celebrate, we could be fed by that testimony And we can get to know someone who we actually can't physically be with right now. And so this morning, we invite you to enjoy, to to be nourished by, and to hear the proclamation um, of one man's journey from that darkness into God's marvelous light. My name is Matt Littlehale, and I'd like to take this opportunity to share with you a little bit of how I came to follow Jesus Christ. Um, Things are really crazy right now and uh, hard, but one of the ways that I've found helpful to uh, deal with some of this is to reflect on the good things God has done in your life. So I'd like to share a little bit about that with you. So uh, about 20 years ago, I moved to to Long Branch to go to Monmouth University, and during that time, I began to experiment with drugs and alcohol, um, like college kids do maybe. But I took it far and I partied hard and uh, it led to a lot of um, destruction in my life and where that brought me was to about the year end of 2004 beginning of 2005 where I was in a really bad spot and I was uh, financially a mess I was about to drop out of school I failed all my classes and probably soon I was going to be evicted Um, And in that time was probably my lowest point of my life and I was sick and I was throwing up all the time and then one morning I woke up the way I usually did uh, in the bathroom hugging the toilet sick and I was laying there and I heard a voice uh, as clear as you can hear mine now said it doesn't have to be this way and thinking back this was 15 years ago now it's crazy to think about. Was that God? Was it my body just rejecting all the stuff I've been doing to it? Was it something else? Was I still high? No, listen. So the, after that, I left my home. I went to Red Bank and I ran into an old friend named Brandon. And he said, Matt, how are you? And I hadn't seen this guy in like four or five years. 
and I said, oh, Brandon. And I told him the whole story about that morning and all the stuff that had happened. He said, oh man, you gotta come to this young adult group. Uh, it meets here in Redback. And I was like, okay, sure, when does it meet? And he's like, tonight, let's go. I was like, all right. So I came back later that night and there, there I was. I walked down into the orb basement. The young adult group was meeting at Trinity Episcopal Church. And I remember very clearly walking down those steps into that basement and just feeling the love of Jesus Christ as if I was being welcomed back with open arms into his presence. And through the love of the people there, through the care that they had, I had people bring me into their home. I had f new friends that really supported me and all of that. And it was um, an example of God's love. And that was 15 years ago now. And since then I have met my wife and we've been married for 10 years. I have two wonderful kids and here I am. And I just want you to know wherever you are, whoever you are, wherever you might be, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you and that all the things going on in the world are hard and he knows that. Um, but just be reminded today that Jesus loves you. And I hope this was a good word for you to hear today. Thank you. Isn't it great to hear about the way that God works in people and still works in people and can work even in you? Matt, thank you for sharing that testimony. Now, before we hear some scripture and uh, hear God's word to us through Michael, we're going to enjoy a song that we do on Sundays quite a bit. It's called 4,000 Tongues. There's a verse in this version of it that we actually don't sing on Sunday mornings, but I wanted to draw your attention to the first line. It's in the second verse. It says, Jesus, the name that calms our fears and bids our sorrows cease. Jesus calms our fears and causes our sorrows to stop. Isn't that what some of us need right now? Isn't that what you need right now? So during this song, wherever you are, we invite you to reflect on these words, to listen to them, to sing them out loud, or to sing them in your heart. And ask Jesus to put your fears to rest, to put your sorrows at ease, to draw you closer to him who is our great redeemer.
Psalm 9, 9-10 The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. From Isaiah 40, verses 28-31 through Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 32 through 34. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? 
It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 5. But this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom and Cush and Seba for your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Psalm 62 verses 5 and 6. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Psalm 91, 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Good morning and uh, welcome to Park's video worship experience. Uh, if, if you're a visitor or guest, like if you've stumbled across this video, my name is Michael Carlson. I'm the lead pastor at Park Church and I'm really, I'm really glad that you're watching this. Um, if, if you call Park Church home, uh, I, I want to begin with just a, honestly, a personal word to you, and that is, I miss you. 
seriously, like I, I miss you. Um, in, in the New Testament letter called Second John, the author writes this. He says, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. For all of the blessings of technology and the fact that we're able to do this, um, something feels incomplete with us not being able to gather together. And, and, and I miss that. And I miss you. I miss coming in on, on Sunday mornings and, and saying hello while you're making coffee. I miss, I miss our conversations while you're greeting at the front door or at the welcome desk. I, I miss coming to the back AV booth and, and talking with you and seeing how your week went. I, I miss listening to the music that you play and being blessed by your skill and your gift as a musician. Uh, I miss hearing your prayers. Uh, I miss being served communion by you. I, I miss looking out at the congregation and, and seeing your, your faces, your faces when they're tired or sleepy or, or fully engaged and pensive or maybe a little confused. Like I, I miss seeing all of the faces. Uh, I, I miss talking after service and, and even praying with you. I, I, I miss seeing many children, all of our children and, and some brave adults dancing every Sunday after the service. I miss eating bagels together. Um, something is incomplete when we're not together physically. And, and yet, and yet this, this time is, is also such a good reminder of the fact that, that the church is not a place. The church is not a program. The church is a people. The church is a people centered upon a person with a purpose. We're centered upon the person of Jesus with the purpose of being sent by him into the world to live our lives in such a way that, that people would be drawn to him so that they might encounter the grace and the hope that God wants for everyone in the world. Uh, I like the way that Matt has put it. He said, church isn't closed, just our building is. And so we're, we're going to continue to make videos like this. We're going to continue to stay connected throughout the week with community groups. We're going to continue to find ways to love our neighbors and to serve our communities because we are still the church. The church has not stopped. The church has not closed. Um, and and it's, in light of, it's in light of everything that's going on this morning that I wanted to, I wanted to draw our attention to a psalm that has been meaningful to me over these past couple weeks. Uh, Psalm 46 is what I'd like us to reflect on. And, and if, if you're not familiar with the Psalms, the, the Psalms comprise a book in the Old Testament of the Bible. And really they're at a basic level, a collection of 150 songs and poems written to God that have been used from the earliest days in corporate worship. And, and these are songs and poems that have been written, uh, about half of them, by King David, the most famous king in the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, some were written by temple worship leaders, like the sons of Asaph, for example. Some were written by wise men, like Solomon. And, and some were written by, by people we don't know, 
this morning, I'd like us to turn our attention to Psalm 46, because I believe that there is such a, a relevant and helpful invitation in this psalm for each and every single one of us during this time. This is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This psalm begins with this very confident declaration of faith, right? God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And, and then what the, the psalmist, what this poet does after these words is describes a, a rather harrowing scenario, right? And, and, and what he says is, though the earth gives way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. So he says, listen, we, we are not going to be afraid, despite the fact that all of this stuff is happening. And he, he paints this, uh, this hypothetical scenario. And, and I don't know what comes to mind when you, when you imagine mountains falling into a sea. But what would, what would come to mind for the psalmist is not there are some rocks crumbling down the mountain and falling into the ocean. No, if... In, in the ancient Near Eastern cosmology, in, in other words, in, when it comes to the way that people who lived in the ancient Near East, that what we today would call the Middle East, when it comes to the way that they thought about how the world worked, um, the mountains performed two very important functions. One, the, the, a mountain anchored the dry land in place so that the land on which we live wouldn't just drift out into the frightening sea, right? And so a mountain acted as an anchor, but a mountain also acted as a pillar that held up the heavens. Because again, in ancient Near Eastern cosmology, uh, the way they imagined the structure of the world, uh, the sky was like a canopy, a physical canopy that held back all the waters. And occasionally it would let some through. That's what rain is. Um, but it was this physical canopy that held back all the waters. And so you can imagine if, if a mountain were to fall, not only would that mean that the land upon which we live would then drift into the scary ocean, but, 
but the canopy, the sky itself, would just fall down. It, the sky would literally fall, and all of the water that the sky held would come crashing down and literally destroy all life on earth. The psalmist is describing the end of the world. And it, it's a worst-case scenario. It's what, what we might today use language to describe would be like a, like a nuclear holocaust, right? This is what the psalmist is describing. And, and he's saying, therefore, because this is who God is, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea and so on and so forth. Despite worst case scenario, the psalmist says, we will not fear. There's a lot today that, that we could be afraid of. And there's, there's a lot today, maybe even your life, that, that you are afraid of or at least deeply concerned about. I mean, the, the phrase in this psalm, the nations are in an uproar, I think is an apt description of the situation in which we find ourselves today. I mean, many of us have been watching and seeing what, what's happened in Italy, for example. Uh, the coronavirus is dominating global headlines. Uh, the positive test cases are increasing globally every day. And tragically, so is the death toll. But even personally, though, I mean, our, all of our lives in some way, to varying degrees, has been disrupted, has been impacted by the coronavirus. Right? I mean, I, I've had conversations these past two weeks with a number of people, and, and I've had conversations with some who, who are devastated because they've lost their job. And I've had conversations with some who are devastated because they've had to lay off a lot of their employees, and they're not sure what the future of their business looks like. I've talked to people who are deeply lonely and isolated within their, their home. I, I've talked to people uh, who are so stressed out and just trying to figure out how to do life in this new normal, especially with kids at home and trying to figure out work. There, there are so many things changing right now rapidly. And, and it's still hard to see where all of this is going to head. And so the reality is there, there are things in this world right now even that can cause fear and quite frankly, things that are causing a lot of fear. And, and what I find so interesting when it comes to this, this incredible declaration of faith in, in this psalm is the why question. Why is it why is it that the psalmist will not give in to fear? And the idea isn't that we should pretend like we're not afraid or not be honest about our emotions or not name our feelings. Those are all incredibly good and healthy things. And yet what we find in this psalm is, is, a, is an utter refusal to live in fear, but rather to live in trust and hope in God. And why? Why not give in to fear, particularly in this psalm, in this worst case scenario? And, and the answer is because God is present. There's this theme throughout the whole song, psalm of, of the presence of God. 
and his presence, therefore, being the source of the psalmist's faith and trust and hope, even joy. I mean, listen, in verse 1, in verse 1 what we find is that God is an ever-present help in trouble. In verse, four, in verse 4, the psalmist speaks about the holy place where the Most High dwells. And he says, God is within her. He's, he's referring to the, the temple in Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel. And, and in ancient Israel, God himself dwelt within the temple. And so if you wanted to draw near to God, you would simply draw near to the temple. God was, was physically present in some way in the temple. And then in verse 7 and 11, because God was present among his people, the psalmist says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The Lord Almighty is with us. God is present. He's present. He's present. He's with us. He's with us. He's with us. This is why the psalmist can, can choose not to live in fear, but rather to live in trust and hope and strength and peace. It's because of the presence of God. And, and the good news, the good news is, is that God is still present. God is very much present today in our world. In the midst of all of this craziness, God is present. Now, now he's present in a way that's different than he was for ancient Israel. Uh, in, in ancient Israel, again, God was present in the temple, in a, in a physical space. And so, so the invitation was for all to come and to draw near the temple. But, but then as the biblical story unfolds, what we find when we get to Jesus is that something significant has changed. Something shocking has happened. And what we find when we look at Jesus is uh, that Jesus went around and did things and said things that were only supposed to be done and said in the temple. Right? And, and so he, he, for example, claimed to have the authority to forgive sins. And that made the religious leaders very upset with him. Because everyone knew only God could forgive sins. And even then, he did it through a priest who was performing the right rituals and sacrifices in the temple. But Jesus is going around saying, no, actually, I have the authority to forgive sins. And then when Jesus did go to the temple... He flipped over tables and, and instead of being in awe and reverence because the presence of God apparently dwelt there, he, he proclaimed God's judgment upon the temple. And he said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, but you've changed it. You have turned it into a den of robbers because the, the temple had become a place of, of systemic economic injustice and oppression. The presence of God no longer dwelt in the temple. It dwelt elsewhere in the very person of Jesus. God came in the person of Jesus. And so he said things which really upset them, like in Matthew 12, something greater than the temple is here. Man, that really upset the religious leaders of his day. But it's because in the person of Jesus, this, as he was launching this kingdom movement, uh, he was in many ways initiating a, a counter-temple movement. Uh, there's a sense in which what was happening was he was saying, 
hey, the, the place where you go from now on to encounter God, the place where you go from now on to seek the forgiveness of God, to be reconciled to God is, is no longer in that building over there. It's right here. Because God was uniquely present in the person of Jesus, right? And, and then Jesus then lived his life and he died on the cross as, as the atoning sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins, right? For all sins, so that anyone who would come to him and put their faith in him could experience God's grace and God's forgiveness, right? And then Jesus was raised from the dead, defeated sin and death, and, and then ascended to the right hand of the Father and sent his, his community of Jesus followers out on mission, his disciples to go and to make more disciples, right? But he didn't send them out alone because although his presence was now with the Father in heaven, he sent the Spirit of God to come and dwell within and among his community of disciples, the church. Which means that the Spirit, do you see how the Spirit of God has always, the presence of God has always come to dwell on earth, uh, in, in the temple, in the Old Testament, uh, in the person of Jesus, most beautifully and gloriously, right? And then now, in and among us. This is why in the New Testament, sometimes the church, the community of Jesus followers, is described as a temple. Because we were designed to be the very dwelling place of God. This is also why at times uh, the church is described as the body of Christ, the body of Jesus. Because his spirit dwells within and among us. Did, did you know this? Like if, if you are in Christ, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, God through his spirit lives in and among you. So if we are the dwelling place of God, if we are the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells, then I want to ask the question, like, what does that mean? How, how do we actually feel the presence of God? Does it make any sort of a difference? How, how can that presence be a genuine source of faith and hope and courage and strength and peace in a time like this. And I, I think that the key to that question has everything to do with awareness. It's one thing to know in, in your head that God is somehow present. But how do we experience his presence? How do we become aware that God is with us, especially in a world that's so rapidly changing? Like, how do we become aware of God's presence in our lives when, when stressed out because of the new demands of working from home? When, when fearful about the possibility or reality of unemployment? when struggling to teach our kids at home while also working, when consumed by information because we're all trying to keep updated on everything and there's so much new information to consume every day, right? When lonely and starving for personal interaction, when anxious and uncertain about when things will finally get back to normal, like how do we become aware of God's presence in our lives in the midst 
of this crazy time in which we live. It's in response to this question that I, I believe God gives a very clear and simple answer. And I, I believe this is what he wants to say to us. And this is what he wants to say even to you this morning. And it's this. Be still and know that I am God. If we want to become aware of God's presence, He is present. He is at work within and among us. If we want to become aware of His presence, then we have to find ways to be still. We have to find ways to take our minds and our hearts off of, off of the flurry of everything that's going on around us to, to simply be still and to be reminded of who God is. Being confined to home does slow us down in some ways physically, but you see, I'm, I'm convinced that probably for many of us, even, even if we're slowing down some physically, what this time does to us is really, when it comes to mentally and emotionally, speed us up. I, I think in many ways, many of us are finding ourselves not calming down, but actually revving up emotionally and mentally. And, and which is why this invitation from God to in some way find a way to be still before him is so important. When I, so I, I grew up in Western Washington, uh, Washington State, and then I, I went to college in Eastern Washington, and in between Western and Eastern Washington is Central Washington. Yep. Uh, but not only Central Washington, right in the middle of the state are, are, is this beautiful mountain range called the Cascade Mountains, and so I often would drive um, back and forth between over these mountains. It's, it's gorgeous. You should live there sometime. One time when I was driving with a buddy of mine, uh, he had heard of this cliff jumping spot and, uh, and it was warm out and we had our swimsuits in the car. And so he, he found this spot where there was this very narrow, but seemingly deep river and this rock face that was super high. And so we, we jumped into the river, swam the other side, worked our way up to the top and uh, just for the record, I'm not endorsing this kind of behavior. I'm just telling a story. So we were up there and, uh, and it, was, it was very uncomfortably high. Um, but as we looked down, uh, there were actually some like branches sticking out. We had to jump through. But, but if you look beyond the branches, what you saw was this very rapid, uh, busy, hectic river. Right? And again, it, it was narrow, but the surface of the river was uh, tumultuous. And, and it, it took me a, a bit of time to work up the courage to do it. But finally, I, I leapt off the cliff, through the branches, free falling. And, and I remember looking down at this busy, hectic surface of the river. And then landing in the water. And... And I landed, and, and here's what I remember. I remember there being this moment, a very brief moment, of having just been free-falling, 
and all and feeling the exhilaration and the excitement of, of that comes with that and then seeing this busy hectic surface to the river and then going in and I remember fortunately I didn't touch the bottom but going down deep and as I was going down reaching the lowest point that I could there was this moment of calm there was this moment of utter calm. The deeper I went into this river, the farther away I got from the, the busy, fast-flowing surface, the more everything became quiet and the more everything became calm. I think God is inviting us. He's calling us. He's summoning us in the midst of this time where on the surface, there, there are so many things going on. There's so much craziness happening. There's so many demands on us. I think he's calling us to find ways to be still, to find ways to, to sink to the bottom. Because, because as long as we are living at the surface, we will only be carried along by and distracted by the many things that are going on around us. And the reality is these things are important. Like keeping up to date on what's going on in the world is very important right now, right? Trying to figure out how in the world I'm going to grocery shop right now. That's actually important, right? Adjusting to this new reality is important. Um, adapting in the midst of real hardships is important. Taking stock of the feelings and the emotions that we're experiencing during this time is important. And yet, none of these things are more important than God. None of these things are more important than God. And none of these things will be a source of peace and hope and joy and courage and strength as God will. His invitation for us is to be still. To be still and know that I am God. In, in his book called Answering God, The Psalms as Tools for Prayer, Eugene Peterson helpfully says this. He says, but he says, the Psalms were not prayed by people trying to understand themselves. They are not the record of people searching for the meaning of life. They were prayed by people who understood that God had everything to do with them. God, not their feelings, was the center. God, not their souls, was the issue. God, not the meaning of life, was critical. Feelings, souls, and meanings were not excluded. They are very much in evidence, but they are not the reason for the prayers. See, when, when God invites us to be still and to know that He is God, what He invites us to do is to find a way, to find a time to quiet ourselves and simply reflect on who He is. To to let him be the center around which everything else in our lives orbits. What Psalm 46 so beautifully reminds us of is that even when the nations are in uproar, and they are in uproar, 
right now. Even when the nations are in uproar, God is present in and among us. And we can take comfort and draw peace and strength from his presence when we respond to his simple invitation. Be still and know that I am God. I'd like to end this morning with a uh, question and a prayer. And the question is simply this. What's one way God might be inviting you to be still before him this week? Now, admittedly, for some of us, being still, whether that be in prayer, prayer journaling, reading scripture, taking a walk and and just listening to God, whatever it might be for you, for some of us, being still comes easy in a time like this. We have more time than usual. We're at home. It comes easy. Admittedly, though, for some, finding the time and the space to be still before God is is probably more challenging now than it ever has been because we're still adjusting to this new normal. And yet my, my encouragement is in some way, even if it's in the shower, right? You're taking a shower or in some way, find time to just be still before God. Even if it's for five minutes, how might God be inviting you this week to be still before him? And I'd like to end with a prayer. A prayer that uh, I invite you to pray with me. I'm going to pray it slowly. And this is a prayer that, that our Lord Jesus gave. And it's a prayer that many of us probably know. Uh, but more than anything, what this prayer does is it, it centers us upon that which is most important. And so would you please pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Be still and know that I am God. It's a good word that we need to hear. It's a good word to send us off into this week. As we wrap up our time this morning, I just want to remind you, please get connected through social media, through our emails, or at parkchurchnj.com coronavirus. Again, if you need help, please don't be afraid to ask for it. We don't want you to go through this alone. Email help at parkchurchnj.com. And one tangible way to uh, help others is to give to our benevolence fund. The benevolence fund, all of the money there goes to people from Park Church who have fallen on hard times 
financially. Just text PCNJ to 77977 and our online giving platform will open and just select Benevolence Fund and you can give like that. And we encourage you to keep giving to fund the mission to bring God's good news to Monmouth County. Now we're gonna wrap up this morning with a good word from Jude. Now to him who was able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and forever and together all of God's people said, Amen.